Welcome back to the We Know Fantasy podcast. My name is Nate with We Know Fantasy, and today I am joined by Cody. Cody, how are we today, my man? I am doing great. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on a podcast, so nice to get in a little off-season fantasy football talk uh, tonight. Yeah, like he said, we're going to talk uh, some breaking news that came out today. We're recording this on a Thursday. This is a February 18th, of course, you know that news already. We'll get on that later, but before we hop into things, Cody, where can the good people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Master Smithers. And as always, my name is Nate with We Know Fantasy. You can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at We Know Fantasy. Uh, next week will be the debut of a new pod that will run through the offseason and possibly the season of the NFL, depending on uh, how much time we have, but it's called Out of the Rough. It's uh, a fantasy golf podcast with myself and my childhood best friend, Lenny or LJ, depends uh, what you want to call them there, but it'll be about fantasy golf, DFS, betting, things like that. Just uh, something fun for uh, two lifelong friends and uh, golf partners to do together. Excited for that one. Watch out as well on the We Know Fantasy Podcast Network for various Dynasty and Debbie podcasts with Will and Nick that drop throughout the offseason. There you'll find that very important Dynasty and, of course, Development League uh, information and news that they'll bring forth to you guys. There's no really no set schedule for that. They'll bring those as they uh, see fit with the content that's available to us for the offseason. And as always, visit our website, weknowfantasy.com. Through this offseason, we currently have Fantasy Basketball Waiver Wire wish list with Nate, Fantasy NASCAR by Cody, Fantasy Hockey Waiver Wire by Nick, Fantasy Baseball Sleeper Series started uh, by Nate, and of course, Breaking News and more. So at this point, you realize the breaking news is, uh, or if you live underneath a rock, I guess you want it, but Carson Wentz, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, has been traded to the Indianapolis Colts. We knew it would be pretty much down to the Colts and Bears to be a landing spot for Wentz. There was some speculation that the Bears were offering two first-round picks, or what was it, Cody, like a first uh, Nick Foles a reunite, uh, reuniting there and, uh, and Terry Cohen or something like that. Yeah, there were some rumors swirling around. It was like a first-round pick plus Foles and Tariq Cohen. Uh, obviously, that never materialized. And and then I thought I heard something, too, about two first-rounders uh, going to the Eagles for Wentz. But obviously, that didn't happen either. So it doesn't sound like the Bears were very serious players there uh, after all anyway. Yeah, because come down to it, the, the Colts send a third round draft pick in the 2021 draft, the upcoming draft and a conditional 2022 second round pick. Now that pick can turn into a first round. I believe it's if a Wentz plays 75% of the Colts offensive snaps next season and um, makes the playoffs or something like that. There's a bunch of stipulations there, but it doesn't seem too far fetched for it to happen as this Colts roster is built to compete right now. One of the most complete rosters in the NFL and they add a quarterback like Wentz, so it seems like this uh, conditional second-round pick could easily turn into a first-round pick. But yeah, Cody, let's talk about Wentz in Indy here. Let's simply talk about what is in store for Wentz. Do you see this as an upgrade? I mean, it's easy to say that because Philadelphia pretty much forced him out of town, gave him no option but to leave, a, a god-awful offensive line, um, you know, their starting running back, star running back, was out for most of the season. Uh, no defensive help, no receiver help whatsoever. So do you see this as a, as a major upgrade for Carson Wentz? Yeah, you hit on a lot of my points there. Um, it's It can't get much worse for Carson Wentz, right? I mean, you said he had the bad offensive line in Philly. He dealt with a couple injuries over his time there with the Eagles. 
Uh, he ends up being benched this season in favor of Jalen Hurts. He ends up getting healthy, and then he doesn't get his job back because Hurts is playing well. So there's just there's not much farther down than it can possibly go for Carson Wentz right now. So I see this move to Indy is definitely a plus for him. He obviously steps in there right away. He's the, the guy. He's the starting quarterback. They don't have much else there right now. Jacoby Brissett, I guess, and they drafted Jacob Eason last year. So he's going to be the guy there. He's reunited with Frank Reich, a guy that was instrumental in his success during uh, his heyday in Philadelphia. He's got a a 100% better offensive line. He's got a solid run game. He's coming in with a, a decent receiving core all around, a couple young guys there that can definitely make some plays. So, yeah, I'm excited for Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. It's definitely a step up, step up for him. Maybe more of a, a lateral move for the franchise. I mean, you look at last year, Phillip Rivers was there, and he led the team to the playoffs, and he did about what you expected him to do. But this is a good move for both sides because, you know, Phil Rivers ends up announcing his retirement. He's out of town. They need somebody that's going to, you know, step into a decent roster and help at least hopefully carry them back to the playoffs again. So good move on both sides for, for this Carson Wentz trade. Yeah, I'm with you there. A lot of people, you know, are talking about how little the Eagles got out of Carson Wentz, but we, you know, his value right now is as low as it ever will be. Again, bench for Jalen Hurts, injury prone, through the most interceptions, pretty much double that he has in his career through 12 games than he has in any other season in his career. Just his value is extremely low, and of course his franchise is looking to move on from him. So if it does materialize and they get a third and first out of it, I can't say it's too bad. I know the Rams gave those two first-round picks for a, a Matthew Stafford, and Wentz is a lot younger than Stafford. But yeah, I don't think it's that bad of a move for both sides, like you said. The Colts needed to do something. They couldn't just roll with Brissett out there with that roster they constructed. They needed to to get someone to get into the playoffs, and that's <clears throat> excuse me, that is Wentz. But if you listen to our last podcast where I was joined by Steven and, and Meg, I you know gave a statistical breakdown of how I expected uh, both Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff to do on the new respective teams. So I kind of did that here with Carson Wentz. So a lot of information here. Follow along. I'll kind of uh, make my way through this, but. Anyhow, so last year, we talked about how bad Carson Wentz's receivers were. He had a combined catcher percentage of 53.9% from all of his receivers last season. The Colts uh, combined for 59.5% uh, for their for uh, receptions from their wide receivers. That's about a 6% difference. That's major. So if we remove Marcus Jones or Marcus Johnson, excuse me, from the uh, equation for the Colts, you have a 62.6% catch percentage. And then if you remove uh, Greg Ward, who was the Eagles' top receiver from a year ago, which is weird to say, you get a uh, 50.9% catch percentage. What I'm trying to allude to here is Carson Wentz had no help this season in Philadelphia. Very, very evident there. Injuries all over the place. Just, I mean, going into the season, that receiving core wasn't too impressive to begin with. You know, an aging Deshaun Jackson, uh, you know, Greg Ward, Alshon Jeffrey was injured to start the season. Uh, they drafted Jalen Rieger, who, you know, he had some good moments, but there wasn't much to offer there. Uh, and we also talked about how bad this offensive line was. The combination of Wentz and Hurts were sacked 63 times last year. 63 times. Russell Wilson led the, the, led the league in sacks by a quarterback at 52. So if one of these guys were to be leading the uh, 
Eagles for 16 games, 63 sacks is a huge amount. That just goes to show how much pressure they're under, how uh, little time they have to make decisions to throw the football. I know Carson Wentz was up there in uh, interceptable passes, but again, you know, when you have that bad of an offensive line, you uh, really can't help it. So Philip Rivers was only sacked 19 times last season. We know how elusive Wentz is in the pocket. We've seen those majestic plays where he ducks under defenders, you know, spins around, loses them, and then gets a pass off. Now imagine him behind as great of an offensive line as the Colts have put together. This is one of the best offensive lines in the entire league we're, we're talking about here. So, again, Phil Rivers, uh, an immobile quarterback, stands in the pocket, only sacked 19 times. That is staggering. Uh, went to 16-game pace last season. He was on uh, he was on pace for 335 for 583, 3,493 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 20 receptions. Again, not great, but Rivers went for 369 for 543, 4,169 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. The Colts ran 4.2 less offensive plays per game last year than the Eagles did, and they also threw the ball on 55.87% of offensive plays. So there's a difference here of the two teams of 2.36 passing plays per game. That's 37.69 less pla- passing plays than uh, what went- Wentz did a season ago. So that would put him at 545 attempts. If we were to kind of use an average of what Rivers did last season, again, Reich is back as a Colts uh, head coach and, and Wentz coming in here. Cody said it. It's a, it's a pretty lateral move for if we're talking about skill set, the quarterback position. So we can expect some of the same here. So with a career completions percent of 62.7, this would give Wentz 342 completions. The average of Wentz and Rivers yard per completion from last year would be 10.85 yards per completion. So we multiply this by the 342 com- uh, completions we gave, we came up with and you get 3,711 yards for Wentz, which, you know, isn't horrible, but isn't great in the same sense. But Wentz also threw a touchdown on 6% of his completed passes last season. So that would give him 60 or 23 touchdowns, excuse me, uh, for this equation. And prior to this year, I talked about this. He had 15 interceptions last year. But prior to that, he only had seven for three straight seasons. He's not really a turnover quarterback. But again, when you're put in this situation, the Philadelphia Eagles gave him, it's kind of hard not to be. So I gave him nine uh, interceptions for this equation. I don't see him being a double-digit interception guy here in Indianapolis with a great offensive line, running game, receivers, and uh, everything there. So anyhow, beyond that, Wentz is, you know, he's a pretty good rusher for a quarterback. Um, Borderline elite, I would say. Very elusive. We talked about this. Gets out of the pocket, makes defenders miss. Uh, His 16-game pace last season was 69 rushes for 368 yards and seven touchdowns. So if we are to add all this together, you get 297 fantasy points. That was quarterback 12 numbers. I fully believe that Wentz in this offense could be a borderline top 10 uh, fantasy uh, quarterback next season. Cody, you think that's a possibility? It's definitely a possibility. You know, going off of everything you said there, yeah, he he he's looking like the kind of a guy here in, once again, reunited with Frank Reich. He's put up numbers with him before. These guys know each other well they know you know they know how to win football games really you know you look at the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl uh, obviously Wentz got hurt there towards the end of the season but for you know he still got them to a position where Nick Foles could take over that team and and win that Super Bowl but yeah I could see him bouncing back here the change of scenery is going to do wonders for Wentz really he was I would say disgusted with how things turned out there in, in Philadelphia 
I think there were rumors that he had requested the trade and and Doug Peterson weren't seeing eye to eye, which obviously you're you're going to see when uh, you end up benched for the rookie quarterback. But yeah, I could see Wentz coming out and, and having decent numbers, borderline quarterback one numbers. I'm not ready to put him in that top 12 yet. Uh, I think maybe we'll see if the Colts do anything in free agency, maybe bring in uh, another big wide receiver. I know we're, we're going to talk about him here in just a moment, but T.Y. Hilton's a free agent, so maybe they bring in somebody that's even better than T.Y. Hilton, you know, has ended up now catching passes from Carson Wentz and could really help this team out. Yeah, you segued great into this next segment here. We're talking about T.Y. Hilton. If the, he is to return here, do you think he would have a better season with Wentz than he did with Philip Rivers last year? I know he had a slow start, but kind of turned around at the end of the year. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton doesn't really excite me very much going forward with Carson Wentz. He's just, he's getting a little older. He's going to be turning 32 during the season. So he's probably past his prime. He was the wide receiver 42 last year. You mentioned the slow start and he came on a little bit there midway to the end of the season. But I just don't know if, well, first off, like you said, he, he might be back. He might not. If he is hypothetically, I just don't know that he's still going to be the number one guy in this offense He's starting to slow down a little bit. He's not getting those thousand yard receiving seasons that we've seen from him, you know, back when when Andy Luck was throwing him the football and the Colts were perennial powerhouse, you know. But uh, I, I'm just not too excited about T.Y. Hilton. He's a little bit injury prone. He's getting up there in age. I'm not not really uh, excited about T.Y. Hilton next year. Yeah, I'm there with you. He, he's lost a step, obviously, if you watch any of the, the tape on him. But also, we 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 believe this Wentz is a fantastic deep ball thrower, and he puts it out there. He does it often. It's just his accuracy is not quite there. We know T.Y. Hilton can take the top off a of defense, even still at the age of 32, in which he'll be at the start of the season. But it's just, you know, some of those big plays, even Phil Rivers, who, you know, latter part of his career was a much better deep ball thrower, than at least accuracy-wise, than Wentz was um, throughout his career. So, there's that as well, and we, you talked about a possibility of not being the wide receiver one if he is returned there. I think Michael Pittman Jr. takes a big step forward. We saw what Alshon Jeffrey did in some of his prime years there in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz throwing the football, and they're kind of similar wide receivers. You have the six foot three Jeffrey with a six foot four Pittman. We, we like I said, Jeffrey had some monster seasons with Wentz throwing the football uh, there in Philadelphia. Obviously, was a wide receiver one in those teams. You know, you had Deshaun Jackson there helping him as well. But in terms of just pure catches, yards, chunks, touchdowns. Alshon Jeffrey was that guy. I think Michael Pittman can be that guy. We also had the likes of Zach Ertz. Dallas got it for a few seasons for Carson Wentz. He loved those guys as well. We're kind of lacking that here in Indianapolis, as we'll talk about Titans later. But Michael Pittman could really easily become that next guy for Carson Wentz to lean on it and throw a lot of balls to. And we saw he had an impressive rookie season, so he's going to take that step from rookie to sophomore anyhow. And in my opinion, get an upgrade and and quarterback is does does Pittman excite you for the future here, Cody? Absolutely, because that's where I was kind of leaning a little bit when I said that Hilton probably wouldn't be the number one guy even if he did come back. Because this this guy Michael Pittman Jr. is phenomenal athlete. He's coming off of a rookie season where he caught forty balls for five hundred plus yards. He only scored one touchdown, which was very surprising last year. That number is going to go up for sure in his second year. He's got that big frame. He's 6'4". He caught 11 touchdowns in his last season at USC. 
So I think he's primed to take over that number one role. There are some other guys here in this offense. There's Paris Campbell, and you know I I don't even know off the top of my head any of these other guys if they're still Zach under contract. Pascal. Yeah, Zach Pascal. You know, so but none of those guys really possess. I don't think what. Michael Pittman Jr. can bring to the table. And I have here in my notes too, he reminds me of Alshon Jeffrey. And you you mentioned it, the the success that Carson Wentz had while throwing to Alshon Jeffrey. I could see him using Michael Pittman Jr. in a similar way and really giving Michael Pittman Jr. great fantasy value. He's definitely a guy in the middle rounds of drafts that I'm going to be keeping an eye on in this upcoming season. Uh, I think he can take a huge step forward in his sophomore season. Yeah, I've seen some people already on Twitter who are, you know, downgrading this move for Pittman. So if you can get him in Dynasty League for a, for a cheap value, see where the uh, Pittman owner stands because I would definitely go out there and try to grab him. But, uh, Cody, let's talk about running backs here. Jonathan Taylor, is this just uh, just the same Jonathan Taylor as we see? You see any form of upgrade possibility with a quarterback change? Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, I'm thinking it's probably going to be the same. Same old, same old. He was another rookie that came in, had a big game or a big season for the Indianapolis Colts. He's his role's going to expand because he had a couple games in the middle of the season where he was not playing very well. He there was talk of him, you know, being benched and is Jordan Wilkins actually the guy here in Indianapolis, you know, and and then all of a sudden he breaks out and has a huge end of the season. He's a top 10 running back in fantasy football. So his role's going to expand. He's going to get more carries. He's definitely the guy in this offense. So I could see his numbers going up, Jonathan Taylor improving, but I don't know that it has anything to do with Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson Wentz has never been a huge checkdown guy. You're talking about he played with Phil Rivers last season, who is the king of the checkdown. So I don't really see a, a big change as far as receptions go for Jonathan Taylor. But yeah, I, I think he'll have a big season uh, regardless of Wentz or not. Yeah, I'm there with you. He's still a limited pass catcher. We, we've seen that in college. He wasn't really involved in that passing game. And last year really wasn't, you know, the, the likes of, of Mack and Hines and, and Wilkins even taking some of those passes away from him. But like you said, just a big rookie season, step into a sophomore year here, still in that rookie contract. He's going to have an expanded role, but it, it may not because, be because of uh, of uh, Wentz's involvement there in the offense and like some of the uh, – other running backs we talked about in the previous trade in the last podcast we recorded here, but same with Hines. I don't, you know, there may be an uptick because Mac will be out of town. I don't see that team bringing him back at all. But besides that, I think the running back situation in Indianapolis is, is pretty much same old, same old, but something worth talking about here is Jack Doyle. And uh, is Mo Alley Cox still under contract there? Uh, Mo Alley Cox is, I believe a restricted free agent. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we have Jack Doyle and Trey Burton also is an restricted free agent, I believe. So Jack Doyle, essentially, we know that Wentz did a lot of two tight end sets there in uh, Philadelphia, again, with Frank, Frank Wright kind of leading the charge there for some of that. Uh, we can expect that here again, but is Jack Doyle someone who excites you, you know, plain old Jane old Jack Doyle. If Jack Doyle ends up being the starting uh, tight end for the Indianapolis offense, then yeah, I am a little bit intrigued. He's not somebody that I'm going to go spend a mid round fantasy draft pick on, but he's a guy that if the draft's winding down and maybe I grabbed somebody at tight end in the middle rounds, who's unreliable, maybe like a Noah Fant who's always injured, or I grabbed somebody like that. 
I'm going to take him as maybe a second option. You know, Jack Doyle is not, <laughs> he hasn't been great in the past here, but when Carson Wentz coming in and the success that we've seen him have with the tight end position, he made Zach Ertz one of the greatest, one of the best tight ends in the league the past couple seasons. He's made Dallas Goddard look really good as well. So whoever the starting tight end is there, I'm going to take a shot and hope that Carson Wentz can turn them into uh, a fantasy asset for me. And like I said, I'm going to take a late shot, keep my eye on the starting tight end for the Indianapolis Colts. Right there with you. You hit everything I wanted to talk about. So let's just move on here. So with uh, Carson Wentz's exit out of Philadelphia, of course, that's not official till sometime midway through March. Jalen Hurts will be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. There's no way I see this not happening pretty much. He all, he took over for Wentz last season. Cody already talked about how he was benched. Wentz, that was for Hertz, and Hertz had a four-game stretch at the end of the season that was pretty great, but his 16-game pace from a year ago was was fantastic. 276 for, three, for um, of 532, 3,676 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. You know, not staggering passing numbers, but on top of that, his rushing pace was 184 carries for 1,088 yards and 12 touchdowns. This would have been 383.84 fantasy points. That's good enough for quarterback four last year. Of course, what's that going to happen? We've seen this time and time again. I believe in a redraft, Jalen Hurts will flirt with you know top 12, top 10 numbers this year. But we've seen this story time and time again. These type of quarterbacks, these rushing upsides that you know Lamar Jacksons and the Colin Kaepernick's and people of that of that skill set, where you know. Kind of rushing is their is their first thought. You know, have a great season. We saw Lamar Jackson win the MVP in 2019 doing this, but then offense or defenses and defensive coordinators across the league quickly figure out how to stop this, slow them down, and that's what they do. But for this season coming up, I think Jalen Hurts is a fantastic option. Of course, Philadelphia will have to get him some weapons. Zach Ertz, I believe, will be out of town. I don't see him coming back. So Dallas Goddard would be a tight end there to like. But beyond that, they need to get him a weapon. May it be by the draft there with, what, the fifth overall pick. But, again, the offensive line is still lackluster. They need to get something going on there. But Jalen Hurts will run the football a lot, will uh, do some damage on the ground. Uh, I believe it I believe it to be a, a kind of a one-year hit type of thing. I don't see him as a long-term solution here in, in Philadelphia. And I, I hope I'm proven wrong. I love Jalen Hurts. I, I love what he did in college. I love to watch the guy. But it's just kind of the the tail of tape here for this type of quarterback. Yeah, I agree with you here. He's got a safe floor because of his rushing ability. He's going to be the starter there. I saw rumors today that the Eagles say they're going to bring somebody in to compete with him for the starting role. I don't think that's the case. He's going to be the starting quarterback there. You saw him play well down the stretch. I think he can be a quality fantasy quarterback this season. But you got to remember, too, there have been other situations where guys have come in late in the season, they've put up good numbers, and then the next season rolls around and they're not very good. And the one guy that really jumps to my mind is Drew Locke. Just in 2019, he came in, he won a bunch of games, you know, like four of the last five or something for the Broncos. People got all hyped up about him, and he came out and laid an egg in 2020. So just a little something to think about. You know, we have a very small sample size of Jalen Hurts. He had a couple really big games, but remember that last game of the season against Washington? He ended up getting benched. 70 yards, yeah. Yep, he looked really bad. So just something to keep in mind. I'm, you know, the hype is real around Jalen Hurts right now, and 
if he's going to be a guy that somebody in my league is going to take an early shot on or, you know, like a mid-round shot on somebody like him, I'm going to let him have him. But if he ends up falling a little bit, then you got to start thinking about it. Like I said, he has a safe floor. He's got that rushing ability, that rushing floor, but I'd rather take my shot elsewhere, I think, uh, as far as fantasy quarterbacks next season. For sure. And I don't know if there's anything really to talk about Philly wide receivers because, you know, we'll we'll have a, a Jalen Rieger next season. But beyond that, there really isn't much to talk about. Rieger, again, was a rookie. Injuries had some good games, showed some kind of competence here or there. But beyond that, not much. Not much to talk about Philly wide receivers. But again, let's talk about the tight end position because this is kind of an interesting story here. <clears throat> again, we've seen we've seen these great performances from these uh, quarterbacks who run first. We saw the Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews connection that was fantastic. And again, I'm going to go back to Colin Kaepernick and and uh, his his involvement there with um was uh, I think Vernon Davis is on those teams still and and things like that. We just see these type of guys favor the tight ends and if. Zach Ertz is back. It's going to be that guy, but I really believe Zach Ertz not to be back. So Dallas Goddard really could be a tight end one in my in my opinion because of this this history of this this happening, and simply because Dallas Goddard is a very talented tight end, and he has outperformed Ertz several times in games as you know I guess the tight end two on this team, but he has gone out and proved that he is a very talented tight end, and if Ertz is out of town. Cody, are you with me? Is is Dallas Goddard a, a tight end one, even with Hurts throwing the football? Absolutely. Dallas Goddard is locked and loaded tight end one for next year. Guaranteed. Um, you, you heard it here first, right? It's uh, uh, I think he's for sure top 10. It's not hard to be a top 10 tight end fantasy-wise in the league. I think he's for sure top 10. He's probably even top eight for me going into next season. I just don't think it matters who's throwing Dallas Goddard the football he has that pure talent, that raw ability to catch the football and make big plays. And I see a big season coming out of him, especially with Ertz. You mentioned it more than likely gone. I already feel like that ship has already sailed. You know, the the Eagles have gotten rid of Peterson. They've gotten rid of Wentz. They're pretty much going full rebuild, right? They're trying to tear it down, get the youth movement in order. And in order to do that, I think they're going to end up cutting ties with Ertz. And it's going to be Goddard's, you know, offense, not Goddard's offense, but Goddard's, you know, job as the number one tight end finally on this team. And I think he'll be able to shine when he does that. Maybe Zach Ertz and Indy. That would be something, right? <laughs> not sure. Something. Ta- or I don't know what sure their uh, cap situation is there, but that would be something to follow. One last guy to talk about here before we move on to another segment of this podcast, Miles Sanders. Where do you stand on him, Cody? Yeah, I could kind of see Miles Sanders taking a little bit of a hit here, and the majority of that is going to come at the goal line. I think we mentioned it already. Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback. He could potentially take away goal line carries. I mean, look at the Patriots this past year. How many rushing touchdowns did Cam Newton have that he took away from potentially a running back on that team? So he could take away... The goal line carries for Sanders that could, you know, eat into his fantasy points by quite a large margin. If he if hurts, that is, you know, gets that goal line work. You talk about the check down game. I I don't think Hertz is going to check the ball down as much as maybe Carson Wentz, just because he's that young quarterback with rushing ability. As soon as things start to go sideways in the pocket for those young quarterbacks, they want to use their legs and they want to run the ball. So maybe you're not getting to that check down option for Miles Sanders, you know, you're not getting that far in your progression before you decide to take off down the field. So I could see Sanders, you know, maybe 
struggling a little bit here next year. Another thing about Sanders, too, he's often struggled with injuries. I know this has only been his second year in the league. He's still a young guy, but uh, I'm going to probably stay away from Sanders. I'm a little bit nervous about what this offense is going to be with, like I said, the Eagles are tearing it down to the studs. They're trying to rebuild this entire team, the culture and everything. So uh, Sanders could be a little bit of trouble because you also got to look, too, at the fact the Eagles are probably going to be playing from behind a lot. So maybe not as many rushing opportunities there either. So I'm low on Sanders. I, uh, I'm i not a big fan of him going forward. I'm thinking about trying to offload him in dynasty leagues if I can, but uh, you got to get a good package in return. He's still, until he proves otherwise, he's still one of the best you know running backs in the league for now. Yeah, you hit on the nail on the head there. Like you just talked about, Hurts will arguably, like you said, once he gets in pressure, will try to get the carry the ball himself. This this offense will use trickery, I guess you could say, around the uh, around the uh, goal line to get Hurts those rushing opportunities in the end zone. We've seen it time and time again. I can't really say it much, but yeah, Sanders still is a very very talented running back, one of the best pass catching running backs in the league. But the injury concern is there, like you said, last season missed a majority of that, missed some rookie time, and even dealt with some injury at Penn State, I believe, when he was in college there. So I, I'm with you. Let's move on from Miles Sanders. If you, but use the name, use the, uh, the notability, uh, notoriety, excuse me, and the fact that he is still arguably an RB1 until, like Cody said, he is proven otherwise, and get yourself a nice return out of that. So before we get off here, guys, you know, the main news, of course, was that Wentz trade. But, uh, Cody, I'm going to give you, uh, let's see, one, two, three, five quarterbacks. And first we'll do Carson Wentz. I want you to tell me if you would rather have Carson Wentz in fantasy or the quarterback I give you. Understood? All right, I got it. All right, so Kirk Cousin or Carson Wentz? Cousins. All right, Jared Goff or Carson Wentz? Wentz. Matthew Stafford? Stafford. Tom Brady? This is a tough one. I'm going to go Brady. Or Ryan Tannehill? Tannehill. All right, let's do the same for Hurts here. I kind of picked players that were around that. We talked about both these guys potentially being RB or quarterback 12. So I, I grabbed some guys that are kind of around that. RB 11 to 15 range, or even later than that, uh, like Jared Goff was last season. But just a few guys around that range to see where we really stand on these guys. So do the same thing with Jalen Hurts here. So Kirk Cousins or Jalen Hurts? Kirk Cousins. Jared Goff? Uh, no, I'm going Hurts over Goff. Okay, Matthew Stafford? Stafford. Tom Brady? Here's where I'm going to uh, you know, divert a little bit. I'm going with Hurts over Brady on that one. Okay, and then Ryan Tannehill? Uh, Tannehill over Hurts. All right, so I guess the question is, would you rather have, at this point, if you could have Carson Wentz for your fantasy football team next year, or Jalen Hurts, which one is it? It's close for me, but I got to go with Hurts. I think, like I mentioned earlier, the the running floor is the difference maker for me. He's going to have that, you know, that those rushing yards you mentioned, and uh, rushing touchdowns, I'm sure he's going to get a handful of those as well. So uh, with that, I'm going to take Hurts over Wentz. I'm there with you. Love that rushing upside, especially by these younger quarterbacks like we've seen in years past. So one last thing before we sign off here, I asked Cody to, and myself as well, we'll get to mine, but I asked him to think of or come up with one potential mid-round, not someone on you know first-round radar, I guess you could say, in terms of the NFL draft that could possibly be a dynasty play or even a fantasy football-relevant player next season, so... Uh, Cody, without further ado, wh- who who are we going to highlight here? Yeah, I uh, 
I've said before on this show quite often, uh, maybe not this show, but on our network of podcasts that we know fantasy, I'm a Penn State guy. I got to rep my hometown team here, and I'm going to take Pat Fryermuth as a guy to keep an eye on in case you're not familiar with him. He's a tight end out of Penn State. I've watched a lot of Penn State football games. He's I've seen him go. You know, he was going late first in a couple mock drafts before the 2020 season. He ended up missing some time with a shoulder injury at the end of the 2020 college season for Penn State. So he slid down the rankings. I haven't seen him in a lot of first rounds anywhere. So he's mostly going in mock drafts in the second and third. But keep an eye on this guy. I know everybody's all hyped up about Kyle Pitts out of Florida, this this tight end that uh, Kyle Trask has been thrown two all season and he caught all these touchdowns but pat fryermuth to me i think from from watching them in a couple years between each one i think that pat fryermuth is better than mike gasicki and mike gasicki was you know a top 10 tight end for the miami dolphins this year so they're a similar build we're talking gasicki and fryermuth here similar build I think Fryermuth has better hands. I think he runs better routes, and he's mainly a pass-catching tight end. So that's the kind of guy you want in fantasy. Uh, you got to be patient. He's not going to come out busting out of the gates like uh, a top-tier tight end. That just doesn't happen in the NFL. These rookies need time to adjust to the the speed of the game, uh, just to you know picking up blocks and stuff like that, get their playing time up. So. Uh, Pat Fryermuth for me is a guy in you know those middle-ish rounds. Keep an eye on, on his de- landing spot, his destination. In a couple of years, he could be somebody that's a top five tight end in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, and not fantasy related. He is a low-key quality blocker, run blocker, uh, hand-in-the-dirt type of tight end, which you don't see often out of tight ends anymore. But he does do that, so that will offer him some more opportunities to uh, play, get some more passes, You know, come off blocks, and, and could possibly be there and uh whatnot so my uh guy here i'm going to talk about is the infamous Jarrett patterson out of buffalo he is a running back of course he previously we've had previous max steals like kareem hunt antonio brown all out of this conference and Jarrett patterson could very well become that next steal he led the fbs in average rushing yards per game uh last season with 178.6 he was the Buffalo offense. He had 19 touchdowns, which is second in the country to only uh, Najee Harris there, of course, out of Alabama, who could be a first-round selection. Uh, Patterson was the MAC Offensive Player of the Year, rushed for 1,000-plus yards in three seasons there in Buffalo. And, of course, he's turning pro here. I'd see him probably as a third- or fourth-round pick, maybe could even fall to that fifth-round projection. But he is a great between-the-tackles running back. That's where you're going to find the value of this guy. He's compact, yet thick. He can hide behind his offensive lineman, and once he hits a hole, he is out of there. His only downfall I can see is he he isn't that shifty. Pretty much is a beeline type of runner. Once he hits a hole, he's kind of going towards the end zone. Not really going to make too many defenders miss, but what really intrigues me here is his ball security. He fumbled one time in 300 touches in 2019. One time. He tucks that ball in great with that frame and does not cough it up. And in return, that is going to give him some NFL chances. Of course, uh, landing spot will be big for this guy. 
but he has all the tools to be a, a starting NFL running back, in my opinion, and excited to see what he can do in the future. Yeah, I just want to say I absolutely love Mac football because it is on on the most obscure nights of the week. You can turn on you know, ESPN on a Tuesday night and there's Mac football on. <laughs> so I just absolutely love the Mac. I And every time you watch and every time you tune in and Buffalo's on, it's Patterson, Patterson, Patterson. He just absolutely moves that Buffalo offense. He's the guy. I love watching him play, and I could see him turning into something. He's a guy I'm keeping my eye on late in rookie drafts. Uh, you never know what he could turn into depending on his landing spot and and uh, how he ends up being coached up in the league. Yeah, same thing with Mac. I'm a Boise State fan, so those Mountain West Conference games, sometimes I'll be uh, headed home from work on a Wednesday night need to hurry home because Boise State plays on Wednesday night on ESPN. <laughs> it's the same type of thing. It's really cool to see some of these guys, you know, not big names playing on a Tuesday or Wednesday night just to give us some <laughs> entertainment to get us through the week. But that's it, guys. That's it for this week's edition of the podcast. Next week, if all goes to plan, if it, no more breaking news comes in, uh, Justin and myself will be bringing you a mock draft pod. So look forward to that. And, of course, everything that happens on this We Know Fantasy Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcast, you will see the updates coming through. Visit our website, weknowfantasy.com. All types of fantasy sports on there from NASCAR to football, basketball, hockey, golf, everything we do it all at We Know Fantasy. We're your one-stop shop for all things fantasy sports-related. One more time before we sign off, Cody, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, at Master Smithers. Make sure you tail my uh, fantasy NASCAR advice. I hit a winner last week in my uh, in my betting uh, section of the article, so make sure you're, you're paying attention to that. Yeah, I followed the DFS, and that didn't turn out too well, Cody. <laughs> yeah, I know. The DFS wasn't good, but... <laughs> We're we're plus fourteen units on uh, uh, betting, so yeah, that's where you got to go follow. Wrong there. Yeah, make <laughs> sure you guys are following that. That's a you're not finding this type of content everywhere. So make sure you check us out for that. And as always, my name is Nate with We Know Fantasy. You can be found on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at We Know Fantasy. Until next time, guys, we'll see you.